to so much more. I'm Jody Nisnik, your host. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words, found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Sherry Hudspeth with me to have a conversation around John 12 and what the Lord is teaching her. Sherry is a spiritual director, and she has also been my prayer partner and friend for over 20 years. So it is such a delight to have Sherry with us today, and I'm so excited for you to get to know one of my dearest friends. So welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jody. I mean, this feels like a little bit of a dream coming true. Like we enjoy talking about what the Lord is doing in our lives so much together and have done it for so long. And it's such a sweet thing to get to do it in this way. I agree. Well, Sherry, I know who you are, but why don't you tell uh, those who are listening a little bit about who you are? Okay. Well, I am a spiritual director. I've been serving uh, the body of Christ in that capacity since 2013. Uh, I'm also involved in training people who are in the process of becoming a spiritual director. So uh, an organization called um, SELA, uh, which is also a great joy. And I'm also connected to an organization called Soul Care, where we focus on making both spiritual direction and coaching available to leaders who are serving in both nonprofits and in the church. I'm married to my husband, um, Dave, and we have one adult son, uh, Matt, and he's married to Jordan and we became grandparents in 2020. So that has brought a lot of joy and amazement into our lives. And your granddaughter is adorable. (laughs) So I get the privilege of getting little Texts every once in a while with Sherry sending me a picture of Precious Carson. So uh, it's a delight for me to see you in that role as a grandmother. It's really mm-hmm. fun. Thank you. Um, so you talked a lot about being a spiritual director, and maybe people have heard about spiritual direction, but I'm guessing that most people listening haven't actually participated in spiritual direction. So can you unpack that a little bit and share what that is? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a prayerful conversation that you have uh, about once a month is the rhythm of how often you meet with a spiritual director. And basically, I sit down um, with someone who is interested in noticing how God is active and present in their lives. And we pay attention to to whether or not they're like excited by that, confused by it, resisting it. Um, And it's a it's just a slow look at all of that. And then also um, try to hold the space for listening to the Lord to happen actually in the conversation as well. And so we try to just follow the Lord around and see what happens. I love it. So you're basically companioning somebody mm-hmm. in their journey, seeking to follow Jesus with more intention. Is that right? a decent summary? Yes. And I would say that um, the other thing that's so nice to be able to share with people is that the term spiritual director is so confusing to people because I'm not actually doing direction 
um, per se in it. It's really that we're both following the Lord and his direction for both of us in the conversation. I just support listening to the Lord Mm. in that way. Yeah. I love that. And I will say that I have gotten the benefit of you listening and asking good questions for the last 20 something years. So I am, uh, you have not been my spiritual director, but I imagine because I know that you wouldn't actually be my spiritual director. You would say no to me if I asked you to do that, (laughs) but I imagine that you would be amazing at it. And I'm so glad that the Lord has shown you one of the things that he created you to do. And he's led you there. It's been a fun to see that. Well, and I just want to say that you've been an important part of me, even recognizing what spiritual direction is, because when I was first introduced to it back in 2006, I was like, Oh my gosh, Jody and I have been doing that for each other. We've been that kind of listener for each other. And I know what this is. I know what it's like to experience the spirit, helping you see, understand, know something when you're with a companion exploring um, your spiritual journey. So yeah, yeah, you've been a big part of that in my life. Well, yay, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. So let's go on to our conversation. We did Electio Divina. Um, on a passage in John uh, chapter 12, verses one through eight. And the main point of the passage is that Mary's anointing Jesus's feet, although the Lord may have led us to any number of things in this passage. Um, But before we get into that, let me remind us of these verses by reading them to you again. So this is a reading from John 12, verses one through eight. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Okay, so as a reminder, we did that as a lectio, asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So Sherry, tell us about that process and what the Lord drew you to. Yeah. The first thing that really stood out to me was a year's wages. Uh, And, and I was excited about it standing out. Like it was one of those things where it stood out so much that it was hard for me to like, just keep just listening to the whole first time that you were reading. Cause I really do find when I do Lectio that it is nice to have your bearings in the whole passage before you move on to, you know, exploring what's really standing out. And, um, yeah, a year's wages, I was like, you know, the further exploration of that was, that is a lot of resource. And, um, 
you know, do I love the Lord in a way that I could give up like that much resource without hesitation um, as an expression of love and adoration and just generosity towards the Lord? And the answer is I'm not there yet, but I would really love to be at a place where one day without hesitation, Mm -hmm. that would be how I would express my love for Jesus. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, one of the, some of the context of this passage is, is obviously Mary was doing something extravagant, right? Um, and three of the gospels record this story. It's also in Matthew and it's in Mark. Um, and you know, we don't know exactly what that pure nard was for, but a lot of people speculate that that was like her dowry. Mm -hmm. Um, like that was her future. Um, and that mm. if she gave that up, she gave up possibility for her to, um, potentially have a husband, you know, to have future security, uh, because in this day and age, obviously it's a patriarchal wor- world and, um, and women quote unquote needed to be married, to be taken care of. But, um, so it was really extravagant. I think even more than just the year's wages, right? Cause the year's wages, that's a lot, <laughs> but you can keep working. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. So perhaps I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder, um, even the significance beyond that. So, well, I will say that I definitely had a moment, um, that's connected to what you just shared that this idea that I would be able to have that much generosity towards the Lord when my future felt 100% secure. If I believe the Lord for that much security, I would have the freedom to be that extravagant. Mm -hmm. And that felt hopeful to me. Like, it just felt like one of those things the Lord's doing where he's orienting me towards this is possible. And this is what you have to be able to see and understand and know in order to be that extravagant with your love. And her security and our security it wasn't because she had a huge savings account or a husband or uh, the big house or whatever check ever whatever box it is her security was because she actually knew who held her future right mm-hmm. that's that's where where you're even getting at yeah um okay so let's talk let's let's drill a little bit deeper so that's that's what jumped off the page to you um and and you talked a little bit about kind of what even that elicited in you personally, um, was there more as you unpacked that with the Lord, um, that you specifically felt like he was teaching you, inviting you to, um, Mm -hmm. well, I would say that it felt very invitational. It felt hopeful. It felt like orienting in a way that when I have a future moment where I'm tempted to be scared or be in that scarcity mindset, that it was such a clear difference, Mm. scarcity versus being extravagant because you feel secure and you know how much God loves you and loves being generous with you, um, that I could draw on in a future moment. And, and that's why I think it also felt hopeful. Mm, I love that. When you, at the end, were invited to respond to the Lord, 
tell us a little bit about that conversation if you feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that's actually connected to another piece that came up while I was um, reflecting on this, because the other thing that got my attention in a later reading was Judas's being against it. And I can be thrown off by people being against me. Like the fact that, I mean, even if I'm expressing myself extravagantly towards the Lord and I get resistance or I can sometimes be thinking about going in that direction with the Lord and be afraid that that something's going to come against me. And so then to kind of sit in the reality that that did happen um, for Mary was really good for me to be with the Lord in, because it's one of the things that keeps me from going all in on being generous with God. And, um, and I, I think it was, it was helpful for me to ponder, like, it's so wonderful that the text reveals the selfish motivations of um, Judas and how evil it was that he turned it on her. Like, instead of owning, hey, I want some of that, like, you know, people aren't forthcoming, they're sneaky and devious, they attack you instead of saying what it is is really bothering them and and like the like the frustration and even the wisdom that you need to know that hey when someone is saying what you're doing is not a good thing like consider what's motivating them that has nothing to do with you mm. gosh sherry that's so good I, there's two words that came up as you were saying that so first is motivation when people misunderstand our motivation. That seems to be, you know, and so then they mischaracterize an action or they judge, they, they impose themselves upon something that we're doing. Right. So it's interesting because the other two passages in Matthew and Mark don't point out Judas and they also don't point out the misdirected motive um, of his heart in saying that what they say is the disciples kind of came at her. And to me, mm-hmm. that even speaks of how we inflame others with negativity, right? Mm-hmm. So Judas says, why are you doing that? You know, and, and he makes up this like, oh, we could have done this great thing with it. Uh, but in the other passages, it says multiple people came to her and Jesus defends her, of course. So first of all, that, yeah, that being misunderstood, I mean, I think that's, it's a huge fear of mine as well. Um, But then the second thing is this ulterior motive that's kind of simmering beneath the surface. And that's, I think, just a tactic of the enemy, right? And we, we are told Judas is operating. I mean, later in scripture, he's kind of quote unquote called Satan. He's not be, he is not, um, he is not Satan, but the enemy fully takes him over and uses him for his purposes. And so, um, yeah, I do think the enemy twists words, twists, um, ideas and comes at us in it all, all to keep us from doing something beautiful, um, to honor the Lord or honor our relationship with the Lord. Like Mary did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's really humbling and helpful to realize what power I'm giving to other people that interrupt my ability, my ability to express genuinely my love for the Lord. And like, what a gift to sit in this passage and 
And I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will bring that up again in a future moment when I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that perhaps surprised you or that you noticed about this passage? Hmm. One of the things that surprised me, the invitation to rest at the end Hmm. um, went in a totally different direction. And it focused in on the experience of a beautiful fragrance. And I, I could see myself in the room, like with, with the beauty, the saturation, the, I don't know, there's something glorious about a beautiful fragrance and that that would be a part of the experience, um, was like, I haven't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. And so it was really fun to have, to notice something like that and to be blessed by it, to be surprised by it, d- delighted by it. And also like how fun to choose to rest, like for that to be a part of this invitation of how you do Lectio and to have something unexpected come in the rest. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It is a really beautiful way that John writes the story with these kind of firsthand details that, you know, let us know he was in the room (laughs) because he tells us, and then the whole room was filled with this. The sacrifice was not only seen in her actions, but we all like sensed it with all of our senses. That's, Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And that ended up following up with a little bit of why this is one of the reasons why it's so important to do these public acts of worship that are genuine Mm. because the commute, your, my soul is impacted when I do that. Jesus feels loved. God is impacted when I do that, but the community is also impacted for the glory of God. When we have genuine acts of worship that are Mm -hmm. happening in community. Yep. Fragrant offering to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, I love how the Lord directed you and led you in that passage. So much beauty. It's one of the reasons why I love doing Lectio, uh, because he probably pointed out to somebody that's listening something totally different. And hopefully they went through the same process of really exploring okay, why? What does that mean to me right now? Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Where are you leading me? Where are you inviting me? Um, And yeah, as I was reading the passage multiple times, different things kept standing out to me. So um, yeah, I would love to hear from people if they want to share with us. It'd be fun to hear what other people uh, saw in that. Well, absolutely. Okay, Sherry, I've got a few quick questions to wrap up our time together. My little lightning round of questions (laughs) just to help people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, So just say what comes to mind. You don't have to expand on it too much. But um, so the first question is, I feel closest to Jesus when? I'm journaling. Uh, Okay, love that. A book besides the Bible that I think everyone needs to read is? There are so many. You're asking me to name one book. <laughs> you are a book lover. I know this was not a nice question. <laughs> First one that comes to your mind. Sacred Rhythms. Oh, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. Yes. Yes. That is a beautiful book. 
okay. One thing that I learned while I was in COVID lockdown was. I love my backyard. Oh, that's a great thing to learn. Yes. And it's actually tolerable even in the Texas heat with ice water. You can survive the summer in your backyard with ice water. (laughs) When it's the only place you can go, you can survive (laughs) it. I love it. Okay. A favorite verse or a verse that I've been thinking a lot about lately is? Uh, Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a go-to verse when I'm needing to be oriented and move on with hope into the day. I love it. And I feel like Mary embodied that verse in this Mm -hmm. passage. Yeah. Yeah. She was overflowing with the confident hope. True. I love it. Okay. I'm glad God created the outside. <laughs> I sense a theme. Okay. And this is the last one. My favorite thing about being a spiritual director is. Oh, I still can't believe that God has left me into a vocation that is so perfect for how he made me and that I get to watch the Lord do his glorious work in the lives of his people. I love it. Well, I'm glad that you are doing that because I see that that is the work that God has created you to do. So Mm, thank you. Well, thank you, Sherry, for joining us on so much more. And we also thank you for listening in on our conversation. So thanks again for joining us on so much more where Jesus has so much more to say to us. And we are creating space to listen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.